This is JFM Podcast. JFM, let's talk. And a very good morning to you. Thank you for staying with J101.9 FM. It's still the morning, Jay, on your favorite radio station. And today is Monday. Yes, the start of a brand new week. Uh, how was your Easter weekend? Uh, what did you do? How did you spend it? Uh, of course, uh, not forgetting what happened in Kanem local government area just recently. Our hearts continue uh, to go to those uh, who, you know, suffered all kinds of losses and, of course, to all plans to people as a whole. Easter, yes, Easter and uh, also known as uh, the, the, the crucifixion time for uh, Christianity, the cross being a symbol of Christ's crucifixion and sacrifice and the crucifix also highlights the ability of God to give new life to people after death. And uh, we pray that uh, the season, uh, we do not uh, miss out on the blessings of the season and the reason for the season, acknowledging Christ's resurrection from the dead and his glorious assurance of eternal life uh, to all those who believe. And uh, of course, we're hearing of a hike in food prices and um, many are still calling out to the government to do what it can to assuage uh, their pockets. Uh, it's not easy dealing with a harsh economy, trying to feed your family, schools closed, and of course news uh, concerning killings uh, that have continued to emerge. Uh, Plateau massacre, how 106 persons were killed, over 100 houses burnt in one night. And lots of reactions from the weekend, a lot happened. Uh, we know that uh, Governor Wike Yesum of Port Harcourt River State uh, was here the weekend. And uh, we also uh, got to hear from Falana, the presidential pardon, how EFCC spent 11 years, millions to prosecute Darie and Inyame. Uh, these are some of the issues we will be dealing with uh, this morning right here on the program. Let's talk. And um, we do hope uh, that you keep your dial locked right here. Still waiting for my guests uh, to show up. But let's look at this here now. Officials of Nigeria's anti-graft agencies, EFCC and ICPC, also have something to say uh, concerning the presidential pardon. And uh, a lot of people actually have a lot to say concerning this pardon. Uh, they say their morale and commitment to work have been affected by the controversial presidential pardon of Jolie Nyame, former governor of Taraba State, and Joshua Darie, uh, former governor of Plateau State. Both men have been convicted and jailed uh, for stealing state funds. Now, the officials of uh, EFCC and ICPC, uh, two main institutions in separate interviews, lamented the pardon and accused President Muhammad Buhari of sabotaging the anti-corruption fight. But again, many would argue to say that um, pardon is a global thing. It's not the first time it's happening. And uh, with this pardon, uh, what is your take on it? Are we going to see uh, the former governor, uh, Joshua Darier, back in politics? Uh, what role should he play now? Does this mean he's been totally absolved of any crimes committed? Good morning, gentlemen. Good to have you here in our studios. 
gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> Good morning, sir. <laughs> and with me in the studio, Comrade Nanle Joe. He's a secretary, uh, Plateau Initiative for Development and Advancement of Natives, PDAN. Good morning, listeners. Happy Easter. And also, I have with me uh, Mr. Legal Practitioner, I beg your pardon, Legal Practitioner, Dr. Ar Arome Moses Okwari. He's a just based legal practitioner and has been in private legal practice uh, before joining the Faculty of Law, University of Just, with the Department of International Law and Jurisprudence. And he's also the immediate past president of the Christian Lawyers Fellowship of Nigeria. Good to have you here, Dr. Arome. Thank you. What's your name? Good morning. Yes, you're right. Happy right. Easter, dear listener. Mm, so talking about Easter, how did you celebrate your Easter? Well, it was, was since uh, there was no problem. Mm. It was safe. All right. We thank God. But you know, because of the economic meltdown, we just uh, celebrated it, uh, went to church, praised God, thank God for life. That was all. We're now prudent with celebrations. And yes. how about you, Dr. Arume? <laughs> yeah, the Easter period was uh, a peaceful time, at least for us here in Jos. And uh, it was a time of reflection for me and uh, meeting with uh, members of my family to be able to see how to unite ourselves and to pray for ourselves mm. and also to pray for our country, Nigeria. Indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So a lot went down during the weekend. Uh, what is your reaction towards... Uh, especially the pardon of the former governors, uh, that is Jolly Nyame of Taraba State, and also uh, Joshua Dari. This has created a lot of reactions. A human rights activist and lawyer, Femi Falan Hassan, has faulted the state pardon uh, granted uh, to former governors of Plateau State and Taraba, Joshua Dari and Jolly Nyame, respectively, saying that if... Uh, his reaction says, uh, my reaction is that all criminals are thieves and criminals in our prisons should be released because section 17 of the constitution says there shall be equality, equal rights for all citizens and section 42 said there shall be no discrimination on the basis of class, gender, whatsoever so you can't take out two people and leave the rest where it's illegal. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Of course um, many statements have been put out and I dare say that we do know that the former governor has quite a follow this has been a victory call for some in another quarters, and we would say that pardon is a global thing. It's not the first time we're seeing that happen, even though it seems to happen more to men than women. I don't know if it's gender bias, too. <laughs> so let's start uh, with you, Comrade Nali. Good job. Before we get the legal perspective from Dr. Arume. Ah, thank you very much, Zoe, for that understanding. Let me come out from the uh, educated uh, <coughs> uh, angle. And my learned <coughs> friend will cover it. Uh, honestly speaking, you know, this beats my imagination. This is not the first time that uh, pardon is extended to people that uh, were in jail. And I don't know if people will come out and, and talk like this. I don't know what they said when uh, Alemesia was pardoned by the government of uh, Jonathan and you know people bring in sentiments these are people that were actually jailed for certain mismanagement but you can imagine that bandits terrorists over 600 of them recently graduated were honored these are people that dealt with lives 
these are people that you know killed innocent people now people did not talk anything about this now these people were released or pardoned well i thank god the legal man is here pardon has his own prerequisite pardon has is either conditional or whatever it is thank god he's here but all i know is that it's not the first time it's happening in the world so how was this news received by Pidan? no believe you me it was received with joy that at least one of us one of our prominent uh, persons have been given the freedom to work amongst us because as Pidan, yes we actually do not support criminality that one you know we've been talking about it but when somebody is found to have met the prerequisite of such pardon i don't know how how, how people think we should feel but truly pidan pidan is uh is happy that at least the man has been uh pardoned all right, Dr. Arume, let's hear from the legal perspective. What are the conditions to be met before one can uh, have a pardon, uh, you know, from the president of a nation? Okay, um, thank you for this question. I'd like to just say, uh, first and foremost, that the issue of pardon in Nigeria, particularly for uh, politicians, <coughs> is an issue that has become <coughs> very, very controversial. And uh, the pardon that is, uh, was granted by the former governor, Chief Joshua Darier, and uh, Chief Joe Linyame also has been greeted with a uh, misreaction. Mm. And this is understandable because this also has to do with the government's uh, avowed commitment to the fight against corruption. Now, uh, let's uh, look at a few, uh, I'll give you a few legal background and then I state what my view is. The Constitution under Section 175 gives the President of the country the power to exercise the prerogative of mercy. And that section says the President may grant any person concerned with or convicted of any offense created by an act of the National Assembly or a pardon, either free or subject to lawful conditions. And so on it goes. This gives, clearly gives the power, the power to the President of the Federal Republic of Nigeria under this section to exercise the power to grant pardon. In the same vein, also, the governor of the state has the power so to do. Now, this power is not exercised by the president exclusively. Uh, if you, like you read in the news, it was the National Council of States that took the decision, and this is a body that consists of all former presidents of the country, as well as uh, the governors of the Taisi states. And uh, before the president even brings such a recommendation before the National Council of States, there's a presidential advisory committee that advises him on who and who should be entitled to pardon. Uh, I, I don't know what facts uh, may have uh, uh, been available to them in exercising their discretion to recommend to the president that these two gentlemen be granted pardon. So this is a legitimate right of the president to do. But the question... That well, box. they said that um, it was the two former governors as well as 157 others, and it was on the grounds of health and age. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming to that. So 
this is a legitimate thing to do. And of course, pardon can be granted where it is shown, for example, that uh, a person has uh, shown some remorse or understood his error or maybe on grounds of age or health, like you said. But the agitation, as you have seen, has to do with the issue of corruption. Now, the government, this government has an avowed stand to fight against corruption. And the issue is that, look, if you are now granting these two people who have been convicted for corruption, pardon, are you not sending the wrong signal that corruption pays and that some people are sacred cows? Now, let me give you a little background. Take, for example, the trial of uh, Governor Joshua Dare that took about 14 years and so much public funds spent on this prosecution. Sometimes, uh, about four years ago, the Supreme Court had this to say. I had noticed a most worrisome trend in recent times. Affluent Nigerians, particularly the politically exposed citizens of this great country, imagining that they are above the laws of the land, have perfected some uh, perfected some awkward and graceless tactics of delaying their trial when they run into conflict with our penal status. The appellant in this appeal falls into this category. In 20, uh, 2007, about eight years ago, leave was granted to the respondent to prefer criminal charges against him. For seven, eight years, they were in court dis discussing arguing technicalities. After that, his trial began afresh. After 14 years, of course, he was convicted. From what I read, close to 300 million of public funds were spent. So, when you have this kind of scenario, and if you look at it, even when this administration came into uh, power, part of the promise they made to Nigerians was that, look, there will be no sacred cows. Corrupt politicians will be jailed. And under Section 15, Subsection 5 of the Constitution, the state is mandated as a law of the constitution that all corrupt practices and abuse of power should be prohibited and prevented and the signal wrong signal what i'm saying is that are you not sending a wrong signal to nigerians that look corrupt politicians can steal public funds engage in the abuse of power and get away with it with all due respects to uh, Daria and uh, Jody Nyamen yes they have benefited when Ali Messiah also was given pardon, the same argument was made. Now, let me take you back a little bit. For some of the politically exposed uh, politicians that were tried, let me ask you, how many of them were successfully convicted? And I have a list of them here. Former Peter Odili is still walking around as a free man. Uh, Chief Uzokalu is still walking around as a free man. Alaji Samin Turaki of Jigawa State is still walking around as a free man. Mesa Ayodele Faoshe, who was also tried, is still walking around as a free man. Alaji Sule Lamido is still walking around as a free man. Alaji Mutalanyako, former governor of Adama State, is still walking around as a free man. Dr. Babangida Aliu is still walking around as a free man. Dr. Chimaroke Namani, former governor of Enugu State, is still walking around as a free man. Alaji Akwedoma, now late, also his prosecutor was scuttled. Now, you have Danju Magoje, former governor of Gombe State. He's also going around as a free man. In fact, at a point, the APC national president, uh, chairman, 
told the world that if you move from PDP to the APC, your sins are forgiven. Mm. Even outlier Ademu, the current national chairman of the APC, his trial for corruption was scuttled. And the question that bugs the mass of Nigeria is that why is it that these politicians cannot stand trial and face justice for one reason or the other? And so you say you are fighting corruption. So the fight against corruption has become a myth. And if I must say, I share the sentiments of uh, the comrade here to some extent. It appears as if maybe the minority governors from the minority groups were the ones who became victims of this uh, fight against corruption. How about the other ones? What happened to them? In as much as to say, well, what is wrong is wrong. All right? I can't imagine why uh, Governor Tom happily said, oh, he welcomes this uh, pardon that was granted Daria and Jolie Nyame. Because Otom is perceived as a champion of the middle belt. In the same vein, our own Baba, that uh, Jonah David Jang, also welcomed the decision to pardon this gentleman. Because it appears as if Governor Daria and Governor Jolie Nyame were used as scapegoats in the prosecution of governors, ex governors that were corrupt. So you find a situation in Nigeria where a lot of public funds are looted. Public funds cannot be accounted for. The constitution says, look, you must prosecute those who engage in corrupt practices. And corruption is destroying Nigeria. And you, the president, say, look, we must kill corruption before corruption kills Nigeria. And you are not seen, in a sense, to be endorsing people who have been uh, convicted for corrupt practices. This is a thing that is bugging Nigeria. And the international community, of course, is watching us. Don't forget, witnesses were brought from outside the country to come and testify in some of these cases at the expense of the public, using public funds. And so the question that, that bothers the minds of several Nigerians today is that, look, as far as the fight against corruption is concerned, where are we headed? And I dare to say that the fight against corruption in Nigeria today is a myth. The more you see, the less you understand. Mm. The poor man steals, he's thrown in there. They'll put tire on him and burn him quickly. If he's lucky to make it to the police station and then to the courts. Exactly. And that's why somebody like uh, Femi Falana, senior advocate of Nigeria, said in a lighter mood that every other criminal who is there should be sent out. So this, of course, shows a discriminatory tendency. Okay, you mentioned a uh, hundred and how many people that were granted pardon? 157. Okay, how many Nigerians are there in prison that ought to probably have gotten this pardon? If you say so. So you find that the even the U.S. government in a recent report said that, look, it appears as if the fight against corruption is targeted at the low-level people and middle-class people. It doesn't include politicians. So this is the argument. That look, if we continue in this way, this fight against corruption will not make progress. In some other <laughs> climes, like in, in China, people are hanged for corrupt practices against the state. So, when you take steps to try people to convict them, yeah, allow them to face the consequences of the law because action has consequences. But, like we said, the president has exercised his powers under the constitution. No rule has been broken. No rule has been broken. Mm. But, the, like I said... The message is... Yeah, it passes a wrong message. What moral rectitude do you have now to begin to go after governor, uh, former Governor Jonah David Jang? 
for corrupt practices using the AFCC, if these ones. The argument could see now be extended. Grant him amnesty. Let him go home and rest. After all, he's an old man too. Yeah, exactly. So this is the thing. What is the basis? In fact, my, my point actually is that, look, there appears to be a pattern of discrimination mm. as far as the fight of cor- against corruption. If you are in the APC, your sins are forgiven. If you are in the opposition, they may go after you. Mm. <laughs> and part of the argument is that, look, even these people now, these two gentlemen that have been granted pardon, they are in the APC. So they are coming to benefit from that and they are going to help the APC uh, come 2023 uh, presidential uh, politics or politics come 2023. So if you now find a situation where actually these things are clearly politically motivated, it begins to raise a lot of questions in the minds of people. Is it the right way of doing things? Can we do it better? I think that's the question. And of course, like you said, it's not exclusive to Nigeria. Even in the U.S., some of the places we borrow this tradition, not too long ago, uh, President Donald Trump used the power of pardon to release some of his political issues who were convicted for one reason or the other. So these things happen. Uh-huh. But we are looking at, do we have a conscience? Does our conscience prick us? Because, you see, what, what, what is happening now is that, look, the issue of uh, pardon has become a blind spot for Nigerian politicians. They are not ready to see what is there because the sincerity is not there. So what can we do in the Constitution? Is there any way that the Constitution can be tinkered uh, so that uh, you know these types of uh, situations do not recur? Yeah, to prevent arbitrariness. Yes, the Constitution can be amended mm. to provide further guidelines guidelines on who should be entitled to enjoy the power of amnesty. But let me say clearly that the problem with us as a country is not the laws that we have. The problem is we, the people, Nigerians. You can have the best laws imaginable. You can have the best laws. But when you don't have the people with the right mindset, the people with the political will to do the right thing, those laws will mean nothing. Mm. So what you ask yourself is that, look, if there is a presidential advisory committee on amnesty, what were the facts that they took into consideration? Did they also take into consideration that, look, when this uh, pardon comes into the public domain, it will attract this kind of backlash and send a wrong signal as far as the fight against corruption is concerned? Mm. So these are the things that I think, look, uh, Zoe, I have with me here a copy of a law. Twelve anti-corruption laws. ICPC law, uh, e- 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 EFCC uh, Act, ICPC Act, Public Pro- Procurement Act, and all of them. Uh, Code of Conduct Bureau Act. All these laws are there. But when it comes to implementation and enforcement, mm. I scored the government 10%. Hmm, out of... Out of 100. Oh, dear, dear. Yeah. All right. Um, back to you, comrade. Now, we do know that uh, the former governor has quite a large following, at least politically. We can't deny, mm. we can't deny him that. So what do you foresee going forward? Do you see him uh, throwing his, his, his heart back in the ring? Do you see him becoming more politically active? Or what would you advise going forward? Well, uh, before then, let me just add to this fact 
that there seems to have been some selective justice in Nigerian system. Because I remember one of the PDP then uh, chairman, Gemadi, I personally asked President Obasanjo when he was in power this very question. At the beginning of Chief Darius' ordeal, when we were picked to Abuja, you know, to watch some so-called films, and I asked him, him this question. The chairman of the PDP then said there were some governors that were corrupt and they should be checked. About eight of them then. And I asked him, sir, don't you think it has been a selective process that out of these names that were mentioned by your own chairman, only one person was picked? So just like the legal friend uh, observed, so until and unless there is justice, there is justice. You should be blind. Honestly speaking. This justice can see, this lady justice can see, she can hear, and she has sentiments. Is that, that is it. Now, uh, for your question, sincerely speaking, Darye was my boss, has been my boss, is my boss, is my brother, my friend. He has the crowd around him, like you rightly observe. And for who I know he is, he doesn't just sit idle. Idle. Darye is proactive. He is proactive. And nobody expects him to just come and sit idly. But personally, personally, I will advise the two of them, both Chief Darye and Jolly Yami, to watch. To watch. Let them see what is up because they have been out of the scene yes for a have while. been confirmed for a while now we have a sitting governor and you cannot have both of them wearing the same hats no it's not possible and what if that i think for now i will uh, advise that all the role they will they should play in their various states should be advisory let them watch at least for this time but you know there are some people which have started hearing trying to push them into contests. Sincerely speaking, I will say it very loudly that as one of Darius' personal staff, I will advise that he should come out, let us celebrate his return, let him watch, let him listen, let him ask questions, and see where he can make amends or make inputs. So that is my 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 my, my take advice. On this. Yeah. Okay. So let's leave this issue. Let's move now uh, to another issue, uh, where we continue, of course, to commiserate uh, with our brothers and sisters in Kanem, uh, local government and Wasi, local government areas of Plateau State. Uh, of course, we celebrated Easter on a sad note, uh, as family members also of abducted uh, passengers aboard uh, the AK-9 train bombed by terrorists along the Abuja-Kaduna rail corridor March 28, uh, expressed readiness to negotiate with uh, terrorists to release their loved ones if the government was not prepared to do so. And uh, we've also seen also that it was gathered that bandits who rode uh, into the Plateau community 
duties in over 70 motorcycles, each carrying three persons fully armed with sophisticated weapons, opened fire indiscriminately on men only and left women unhurt. And uh, the killings uh, went on and uh, the, 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 the women were gathered under threes. The bandits entered the communities one after the other, shooting directly at men and boys. And... Um, it, it lasted. The operation lasted for for a while. At the end of the operation, uh, they asked the women to return to their burnt homes. Uh, there was also selective burning of homes, uh, because definitely someone who knew these communities uh, was telling them, you know, which house to set ablaze. One wonders what the criteria was uh, to to set which house ablaze or to leave which one alone. And uh, although we've heard that about 106 persons were killed in the attack, uh, they've been given mass burial. Uh, many bodies are still being recovered in the bushes uh, because the bandits pursued some people into the bushes. And uh, the deputy uh, speaker of Plateau State House of Assembly, Saleh Ipmong, also confirmed this. He said the military and other security agents arrived in the communities an hour after the killers had left. And he said even the villagers were surprised about the attacks because the communities remained the safest in the state. And uh, following uh, some of the interviews uh, from the governor where he said that that is um, a potential site for uh, ranching, that perhaps these people were trying to come in maybe to start settling into the ranches before time. But I wonder if that is the, the legal way uh, to do that. I also wonder if you know the, the people in that community had agreed that they wanted you know that land to be used for ranching as well. But uh, let's hear from the governor concerning this. Stay tuned. Well, I, I told the council clearly that what we prepared and which was also uh, something we discussed with the president, at the level of the Northern Governors Forum, we had what we call the frontline states. And in these frontline states, we enumerated certain problems that we needed to also sit with the security organizations. Some things that we believe that if, if we are, they were done will also help us in addressing some of these issues that we have in our various states. We did that after a meeting with Mr. President. Mr. President directed that we have a meeting with uh, the security organization. We had that meeting, but unfortunately, I think shortly after, the chief of army staff had that accident and he died, may so rest in peace. So after that, it was a while to have another meeting again. So some of these measures that were put on ground was what I asked. What is delaying the implementation of some of these things? Because those issues are peculiar. Those issues affect security aspects that are peculiar to us in the North, especially addressing issues of farmers, headsmen, addressing issues of unoccupied spaces uh, uh, because we have very large portions of land. We have forest areas that are not uh, occupied by people. We want to see the effort to address and occupy the unoccupied uh, spaces, to occupy those spaces, even if it is not for economic, but then make sure that we don't provide hideouts for criminals. Because it is when we leave those places unoccupied that criminals take advantage of them. And by the time they move in, taking them away from it is always very difficult. It's just like what we saw, like I said, in Kanam. They are moving on their ways. They settle there. They will come and say, we are settled here.
Thank you for staying with us. And that is uh, the sound bites of the governor of our beloved Plateau State, Simon Bakula Long, concerning the killings. And uh, you heard uh, some of the points uh, that he made on governed spaces, uh, which bring about these attacks. But I mean, the surprising thing, of course, continues to be with over 70 bikes coming in with about two people each, all armed. And we know that uh, about last week or so, uh, the Nigerian army put out a statement asking Plateau Taraba and Bauchi to be on alert. And yet uh, we continue to see these crimes unabated. And um, well, it's, it's, it's been a source of worry. Plateau State has continued to be in the news uh, for the wrong reasons. The insecurity in the state is at a level uh, that you know, is alarming. Uh, so what is your take on this? What is PDAN's take on this issue, uh, Comrade Nanle Gujor? Well, honestly speaking, my heart bleeds for Kanam. My people uh, sincerely speaking, any uh, sense person will feel it, what happened in Kanam. But then, I will continue to say this, that government is good at making policy statements, but enforcement is another problem. You know, this, there were warnings there were warning signals. But what was done? As far as I'm concerned, nothing was done. Because certainly, if there was that warning for some states, of which Plateau State is one of them. And you know, we have some borders that should be technically protected. And I think Kanam connected to Taraba and Adamawa. Believe you me, as far as I'm concerned, that is an opening for criminals. And so government should not just be making statements that they are on top of the issue. And secondly, you know, some people make a lot of noise without truly going down to the grassroots. I remember recently, during one of our council meetings, uh, General Goar, the former uh, director of uh, Operation Rainbow, who was appointed by the governor of the state, Barrister Simon Lalong, as his special advisor on community relations. The first step he took was to come to Pidan. He called me, gave me a call, that he wanted to come to the people that could advise him on what steps to do. Now you see, that is an area that a lot of governments are failing. That you think you will just sit down in your comfort zone, in air-conditioned room, and make policies without truly going down to the grassroots to connect with the people. So there is that failure. How many of the commissioners in Plateau State sincerely takes time at weekends to go around to discuss with the community leaders as far as Pidan is concerned, that is an area that government is lacking. Because there are community leaders, there are traditional rulers that know the problems of their areas. And that is why we stand strongly in support of community policing. Secondly, there are people, there are people that God has blessed Plateau State with. Let me use one of them, General Tenlong, John Tenlong. 
is a security, international security expert. How many times has government invited or sat down at round table with people like that? In fact, when this man appears on radio or on TV, you can see the substance flowing from this man. In fact, uh, following the news concerning the killings, I remember in uh, other media houses, they kept saying, oh, they thought Plateau State was the land of generals and this and exactly. that. So where are these people? Now Did they we, ever we come are to the blessed table? with them. Like I said, the community leaders, sincerely speaking, when we begin to discuss, you will see that Plateau State should not be experiencing what she's experiencing. They are not available. And if they are not available to the leaders at the grassroots, I don't know how they will be available to experts like General John Temlong. Sincerely speaking, there are others who have the idea of how to curtail some of these menace in the state. But how much time do they grant them? Hmm. Well, um, um, Dr. Arara, may we, keep, may we, keep, we keep hearing that uh, governors are the chief security officers of their states. At the same time, governors say their hands are tied. And then we've been calling for state policing. And one would have expected that perhaps with this constitutional amendment, that would have been one of the things in the front burner. What is your take on that? Okay, be before I address that, hmm. let me just make a general comment. I, I, I sympathize with the good people of Plateau State, and in particular, the people of uh, Kanam local government on the barbaric attacks that led to <coughs> several deaths and destruction of property. Uh, wanton destruction of property. Uh, that these things are happening in this day and age uh, in our own uh, state is quite disheartening. Very, very disheartening. I feel pain. Uh, let me say that by law, but in our constitution, it is very clear that the security and the welfare of the people shall be the primary purpose of government. Government exists primarily to protect lives and property. And in section 33 of the constitution, the basic organic law of the land, the law is clear that Every person has a right to life, and no one shall be deprived intentionally of his life, save in the execution of the sentence of a court in respect of a criminal offense for which he has been convicted. So human life is sacrosanct. Human life is inviolable. We have a situation in Nigeria today where non-state actors take human life without repercussion, without consequence. And because they have done this one, they have gone, I can tell you tomorrow, they will come again because nothing will happen. Mm. So, I want to say that it is sad that our president and our governors have become chief mourners. Every time we sympathize with this, we sympathize with that community, we they are chief mourners. They were not elected to become chief mourners. They were elected to safeguard lives and property. Look, these people were not elected with all due respect to them to be giving us excuses. They have, our leaders have become managers of excuses. We want to get to a situation where our chief security officers, the governors and the president, by whatsoever name called, those in charge, should be managers of success as far as protecting lives and property is concerned. Whatever the president may say, whatever the governor may say, whatever the military may say, 
These 70 lives are gone. They cannot be replaced. 106. 106. Thank you. In one and fell swoop. The sorrow and the pain and the grief, the sense of loss and bereavement that those communities feel and the family members, it cannot but by the grace of God ever be redressed. What cure do you have for that, if not for the grace of God? So these things continue. And we ask ourselves, when will this circle of violence stop? Okay, you come, you say, eh, forest areas. Where in Nigeria would you go to that there are no lands that are not occupied? Go to Kogi State. There are several lands that are not occupied. There are several forests. Go to the east. Go to the south. Everywhere. So what I see is that, look, enough of giving these excuses. Mm. What has to be done should be done. You have the insecurity on ground. What stops the security from going after these people? Like uh, a governor was saying the other time, these people use telephones to make calls. They ride on motorbikes. You can see them. Like this attack took place in broad daylight. All those helicopters, where are they? 70 motorcycles. I mean, that would cause a stare anywhere. 090556 in four places. 99 and 090988488848. These are the numbers you can call to contribute on the program. And also you can find us on facebook.com forward slash JFMJOS, Instagram and Twitter at JFMJOS. I'm not sure. I feel the, the network perhaps is not uh, letting up for us to receive these calls or uh, by now I'd have seen some beep going on, but keep trying. 090 Zero five five six in four places nine nine and zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight. Hello and good morning. Very good morning. Nice work. Fine, thank you. Welcome. Yeah, good morning to your guests. I've spoken well. Uh each of this insecurity is an entire calling from Sidomwana. Let's talk. Yeah. Let them do something about it. Because they say uh they, they promise us that if you're caught to power we'll not hear any, anything but any book they say the governor is the chief security of the state. And they are saying their hands hand is tight. They should do something about it because uh, daily basis people are dying. Look at what is happening in Basa and uh, Kanam. So let them do what to let them don't do what to stop all this. Security. All right. Thank you. And then, Chair. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Zoe. Welcome. Name and location. My sister, I do suffer with Joshua. Let's talk, Mr. Jude. Uh, every day we lament, we lament, we cry, we shout for the government of the day to do the needful about insecurity that is happening in the country. Uh, bishops and imams and everybody have spoken, elders of the Northern Ireland have spoken. But the truth of the matter is that the president and the cabinet, no, none of them will resign. But even in a developed world, they're supposed to throw in the towel and, and, and resign and apologize to the country. Because when you cannot be able to secure the life and properties of your citizens, those that voted you, suffer and put you in the office, no need of you being there. So what I'm just urging Nigerians this morning is that now is the eve of election 2023, but I always say this, those who are alive can see 2023. So let us know how we secure our life first and vote these people out of office. Enough is enough. Thank you, Jude, sir, from Unity Junction. Hello, good morning. 
Hello, good morning, Zoe. Radio Mama, I don't know, we're calling from uh, Rancher. Thank you, Radio Mama. The phone lines are still open on Facebook. And uh, let's take comments there. Mike Adams is saying, um, uh, Daus Longkat says, The killing in Plateau State is one too many, but the government is not doing anything to stop the killing of innocent souls in their communities. Now the local, uh, the results, the whole community, the next generation has been killed. Uh, may God save us all. Uh, Ayuba James Deshi says, uh, When this present government came into power, they assured us that one of their priorities is to fight corruption and render peace to the country. But to be, sin- to be sincerely, to speak sincerely, I am not uh, aware that this is what we have we've, we have found now. Uh, most of the corrupt politicians are freely moving, uh, enjoying their lives. They forget that one day they will give an account of what they do in front of the Almighty. Uh, King Soskid says, "Good morning. Uh, seriously, what is happening in Jos and um, the country is bothering me. It's a pity the government can no longer control banditry and herdsmen in the country. Seriously, we should uh, thoroughly look into how we can stay uh, in our father's land with peace." Semwem says, "Of course, um, Governor Wike is right. This act, however, backed by 
constitution. They want us to believe uh, is a grand motivation for other looters. Now that Dominic says, may the souls of the victims rest in peace. But what are our leaders doing in, times of, in terms of fulfilling their promise of secure, securing lives and properties? Look at what is happening. Killings every day has become the order of the day. Jeremiah Kapil says, um, Bishop Kuka said it's the way it is. The truth is Nigeria is akin to FMC where you buy your syringe and drugs all by yourself. We as citizens provide our power, security, and even roads. Plateau Massacre is a fallout of the failure of good governance that is showing up now both in the state and at the federal government level. Unfortunately, our governor has abandoned us to our fate. Pardoning former Governor Daria Nyame is a welcome development. There were trial tried and jailed on the basis uh, is really of religious sentiment, do guilty of their crimes. What about so many other uh, past governors since 1999? This is coming from Jeremiah Kapil. Albert Akaya is saying, Kuka is right in his own right and going by the continuous failure of our system in making things work for the betterment of the lives of the citizens of Nigeria. The killings um, by purported unknown gunmen in Plateau State. Uh, the whole country at large is very worrisome and has made rubbish the promise of the president before coming into office to fight insecurity. Until the lives of the citizens are taken serious, our leaders will always be tagged a failure. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, wrap it up going forward now. Uh, Bishop Kuka's uh, Easter message, as usual, uh, his messages are very pungent and strong. And that has been uh, in the news uh, this morning in most of the newspapers as well. And uh, what, what do you have to say concerning that message? And then we can round it up uh, from there and uh, end the program. Gentlemen, Comrade Nanley. Well, sincerely speaking, there is no pretense about that. It's a fact. It's an untainted truth. What Bishop Kuka, if you take time to read between the lines, what he actually poured out are just the facts. Nigeria is actually in a critical state. Just like the other callers have uh, observed, there's nothing wrong in what he said. But you see, the problem is instead of government sitting down to maybe take advice from such people they will begin to accuse or go after them. So, Bishop Kuka, now you have said this and this. What do you think should be done? Call people for a roundtable discussion. Call people. Take their input. Well, Bel we see the government do that every time. They meet with security chiefs. They, they meet like, with former like heads I of said, state. Unless and until they go down to the grassroots. All they do, okay, sitting down in refill and making uh, so-called policies. Go down to my local uh, village. Go down to the local village of so-so and so. Discuss with them. What do they think can be done? Than just sitting down and making laws that are not even uh, enforced. So there is a problem with government. Sincerely speaking, what Bishop Kuka said is just the naked truth. So I expect that government should honestly have everything of their action. How they feel when people say such things. With that sentiments, with that sentiments, Bishop Kuka is one of such leaders in the country that have always boldly observed things that should be corrected. 
Mm. Well, the Catholic uh, Bishop of uh, Sokoto Diocese, Matthew Kuka, has come hard on the President Muhammadu Buhari administration yet again. He accused the Buhari administration of having shown far greater commitment to integrating so-called repentant terrorists than getting school children and thousands of others back from kidnappers or keeping Nigerian universities open. <coughs> uh, his message, he accused the President of having broken every aspect of Nigerian lives. And uh, it was titled To Mend a Broken Nation, the Easter Metaphor. Uh, it was dated at April 17. Your last words, uh, Dr. Arome Okwari. Well, uh, the, 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 the archbishop, the bishop actually is speaking out the minds of many Nigerians who feel so alienated, who feel so dejected, feel so frustrated, so bitter with what is happening. So much promises, but little delivered. And uh, you ask yourself, can we continue like this? Look at, for example, our universities have been shut down. Mm. The parents are groaning. The university workers are groaning. The students are groaning. But politics is going on. People are being killed as a result of insecurity every day. There's no safety on the highways, no safety, safety in the communities. Politics is going on. Uh, so this is the thing. Uh, Nigeria actually is, um, Nigeria is not working well. Mm. The nation is growing. Uh, beyond talk, we need to see action. And the, 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 the challenge really is that um, the accountability system that we have, and I think uh, this is what uh, we need to begin to think about. We need to find a way to hold our leaders accountable for their actions. Uh, if we continue like this, uh, the nation is going nowhere. So, in terms of honesty, sincerely, Honesty is lacking on the part of our leaders. Mm. So I will say, number one, we need honest leaders. Number two, we need honest leaders. Number three, we need honest leaders. We need honest leaders. We need God-fearing leaders who will tell the truth. There's so much lie <laughs> in our governance and in our politics. You say one thing, you do another thing. You promise one thing, you deliver another thing. Can we continue like this? And that's why people like Matthew Kuka keep crying and crying and most of what he said of course is valid you check it it's true all right thank you so much uh, gentlemen for your time on the program let's talk and uh, we have uh, dissected the ongoings in the society uh, looking at the pardon that was just granted uh, two state governors two former state governors and uh, 157 others also the killings in Canem and uh, rightly as comrade Nanley has said uh, we need to go to the grassroots to find these solutions the right people need to be called uh, to have a round table to get uh, this solution that we look for. And of course, Easter is meant to be a symbol of hope, renewal, and new life. We do hope that we will see that reflecting in our society. Thank you so much uh, for being part of the program. We'll do this again tomorrow. And I want to say a huge thank you to you, uh, Comrade Nanle Gujor, Plateau Initiative, Secretary General, Plateau Initiative for the Development and Advancement of Natives, and to you, uh, Dr. Aroma, Arome Moses Okori. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Do stay tuned. New Stop of the Hour comes up after that, the midday show with Ogidibo. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.